to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back with you as always. And in today's show, we finally made it. We're here. It's week one. And today you'll get to hear my favorite waiver wire pickups, big questions, start or sits, and booms and busts. We're bringing back all the old segments from last year. I'll explain them all as we go along for those of you who are new to the show. This show format for this week will be a little bit different than the ones you'll see over the next couple weeks because it is just one episode this week. But after that, we will get into two per week. And basically how it'll work is you'll get an episode first thing Tuesday morning. It'll have news reactions and uh, potential waiver wire pickups that you might want to consider. Then the Thursday show We'll have big questions, starter sit, and booms and busts. And would there also be, at some points during the season, I'll be doing a trade talk segment where I give you buy lows and sell highs for redraft. And um, so you'll want to hear that as well. I think that'll probably be on Thursday as well. So yeah, two shows a week. I've got musical drops back for each of the segment changes. Uh, Brought those back as well, so that's exciting. And on today's show, though, Maybe the most exciting thing, I'll be recapping all of the bold takes that you heard this offseason. So all of the them will be, I'm not going to like reanalyze them all, but I will re-say them all so that you can have them all in one place in case you forgot some of them. I have forgotten that I made some of the earlier ones, but I mean, still believe them unless there were circumstances that changed, which there was for at least one of these, which you'll hear about in a moment. Um, but yeah, so yeah, anyway, then we'll talk news, waiver wire, big questions, starter sit, booms and busts. I'm just so, so, so excited that the season is getting started. This, those first few episodes of the season are always just so great. And then I can't wait for next week, too. I just realized, like, it just sunk in that on Monday next week, I will be sitting down to record a podcast reacting to all the games that we saw on Sunday. It's just going to be so exciting. So I'm so glad you're here with us. Make sure you've subscribed on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Go check out. Uh, all of the divisional preview episodes, the fantasy draft guide, the positional preview episodes, all of those are still available. So if you, I mean, all the episodes are available that if you want to hear any that we've ever done, but all of those are still there. If you haven't had your draft yet, there's so much content. And so I would advise you probably start by listening to the 2021 fantasy football draft guide that we did a few weeks ago. But I mean, the, the divisional previews are important. The positional previews are important. So if you want to cram a bit, there's plenty of content available if you're just joining the podcast. So if you are, thank you for listening. So yeah, we're going to talk bold takes, I guess. I will recap my bold takes. I'll recap Chris's six bold takes that he did before he stepped down as a full-time host. So here they are. You ready? I don't know why I'm asking. You can say yes if you want. I'm going to get started. So here are my bold takes. Calvin Ridley will be the fantasy football wide receiver one. Kenny Galladay will finish as a top 12 fantasy receiver, and he will have more top 24 weeks than DK Metcalf. And all of these predictions exclude week 18, by the way, because that most people don't play fantasy then. Daniel Jones will finish with more fantasy points than Aaron Rodgers this year. Um, that was me thinking Aaron Rodgers was going to hold out. So uh, I don't believe that. That's the one I was talking about. That's the one I hinted at at the beginning of the show. Tevin Coleman will finish with more fantasy points this season than Michael Carter. Oh, yes, he will. Elijah Moore will finish ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster in fantasy for 2021. He certainly will. Jamar Chase will lead the Bengals receivers in fantasy, and he will be a top 15 receiver overall. Oh, yes, he will. Javante Williams will be a top eight running back for the last six weeks of the fantasy season. Yep, he will. 
Devontae Smith will be a top 30 fantasy receiver this year. Yep. Marvin Jones will lead Jaguars receivers in fantasy points. And Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a top 14 fantasy quarterback next year. There are like the one I mainly changed my tune on is the Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers pick. I also moved Ridley out of the wide receiver one spot in my rankings because obviously Devontae Adams came back. And then I ended up putting Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs ahead of him as well. But I still think Ridley really has a shot at that one. So I'm not like counting out that bold take. The only one I'm really counting out is the Daniel Jones one. But even so, I mean, maybe Daniel Jones breaks out. Who knows? He can run the ball. And then I guess I technically have Jamar Chase as my wide receiver 16. But with injuries and stuff, he can certainly sneak in there. So I'm excited for that one too. So yeah, pretty happy about that. I'm pretty happy that this these haven't really changed for me that much, which is good. So I hope that they're going to be right. If I get a few of these right, I'll be happy. These were meant to be very bold. All right, here are Chris's. Jameis Winston will be a top eight fantasy quarterback in 2021. Najee Harris finishes as a top eight fantasy running back. Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman will be a top 12 quarterback and a top 30 wide receiver, respectively. Brandon Ayuk will finish as a top 15 wide receiver this season. Davis Mills will finish this season as the starter for the Texans, worth a late round flyer. And Dallas Goddard will be a top five tight end next year. All of those are really bold, too. I don't know if I specifically believe any of those but I don't know if Chris specifically believes any of mine. They're all supposed to be very bold. So yeah, Dallas Goddard is a top five tight end. I mean, we know Zach Ertz is kind of coming back. Zach Ertz has said he's now happy in Philadelphia. So I don't know about that one, but like it could happen. It could happen for sure. And there's not a ton of pass catchers in that offense. Um, all right, but let's get into the news. Oh, I almost forgot. I haven't clicked these in so long, but I mean, since the season's coming back, I figured more structured segments would be good. I mean, it's still gonna be pretty, obviously relaxed it's not like oh rigid structure guidelines but i thought i'd bring these back i thought they were fun so let's get into the news oh and i got rid of my voice at the end saying that the name because i thought that was kind of stupid all right news irv smith jr out for the year after his meniscus injury the vikings have or meniscus surgery excuse me and and injury the vikings have now also traded for chris herndon who will compete with Tyler Conklin to be at the top of that depth chart. This is obviously bad news for Irv Smith. I hope he recovers well. But uh, for Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith, I mean, Chris Herndon, I'm not targeting one of these. This makes me laugh that Chris Herndon is at the top of a depth chart or close to it again. But I just don't see it in this run-heavy offense. There's no reason for either of them to get the ball. I mean, if I had to pick one, it'd be Conklin, who has been talked up by Mike Zimmer. But it's just another shot in the dark at tight end. There's no point in drafting either of these, especially Chris Herndon, who we've seen it from. It's not going to be Chris Herndon's season, guys. Sorry. Oh, man. I remember loving it. Like, I had this, like, few-week stretch a few years ago in fantasy, riding Chris Herndon in the playoffs at my tight end spot. And I was really excited for him. And then didn't really work out for him, but we don't need to talk about that anymore. Uh, Cam Newton. Oh, it says I mistyped it here. Cam Newton was released by the Patriots. It says he signed with them. No, he didn't. Mac Jones is now going to be the starter for this team. This is really, really interesting. I think Mac Jones has the potential to be a good quarterback in real life. He just doesn't have the rushing upside for me to take him in fantasy, but with these weapons here and the smart throws he's been making throughout training camp, this is good for the team. And I think it's good for the fantasy values of these guys, especially Damian Harris. For Harris, this means more goal line carries. Cam Newton had 18 goal line carries last year. Some of those are going to go to Damian Harris. This means more receptions for a guy who's probably going to throw to the running back and Mac Jones more than Cam Newton did. I moved Damian Harris up all the way to my RB23 spot. So 
I'm very excited for him, as you can tell. So are a lot of people, though. I think that's around where he is in consensus. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like Damian Harris is now a guy that can be relatively consistent as your RB2 and has some upside. He's actually the RB26 on Fantasy Pros. So a guy you can certainly target. Um, I would take him over like a guy like Kareem Hunt or Daryl Henderson or Mike, even Mike Davis or Miles Gaskin, some guys who are ahead of Damian Harris right now on Fantasy Pros. So, yeah, pretty happy about this. Uh, as for wide receivers, I don't know if this changes. I mean, it definitely gives each of them a little bit of a boost, but it's just too much competition in that room to get guys like that. I mean, it's obviously it's either Jacoby Myers or Nelson Aguilar that you want at the receiver position. Mac Jones hasn't, I mean, he's thrown to them both about equally. So I don't know if there's any like preference I would have between the two. It's very close. Uh, they're both end of draft flyers that are fine. Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry are just going to take away from each other for sure. So that's not, um, that's not a situation I really want to be a part of either. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty good. I mean, this just does mean when we find out, just keep an eye on Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar. They're good guys to take shots on at the end of your draft, because whichever one of them leads this wide receiver room could have some solid fantasy value because this is going to be more of a throw first offense than it has been in the past. Neither of them are in my top 60 because we just don't know which it is, but they are, but would both be maybe even 61 and 62. That's how close they are. So, and I think they're still worth a draft pick because if you're using normal settings like 16-man rosters, you should have 60 running backs and 60 wide receivers theoretically drafted. But I would say it should tilt more to like 66 or 67 wide receivers, given that running backs fall. Like the running backs at the end are just so useless and you can get some value out of wide receivers. So yeah, they should definitely be drafted. Um, all right. Unfortunately, sad news. John Brown has been granted his release request by the Raiders. I'm glad I didn't make a bold take about John Brown. This is very sad. Obviously, you know, Chris laughed at me and I forgot. I forgot that Chris had a bonus bold take that John Brown would finish behind uh, Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro in fantasy points next year. So unless he signs with a new team, that's looking like it'll happen. So yeah, I, let me just go put in the bonus bold take to the episode docs that I don't forget about it later on. But yeah, th- so good take, Chris. Good take. <laughs> All right, whatever. Actually, I'll put it in after because it's not like written down right now and I don't feel like typing while I talk. Get distracted that way. Okay, Uh, moving on. I mean, this means, I guess I put Brian Edwards in like the wide receiver. I think Brian Edwards is the guy to target because I mean, obviously this is exaggeration, but the coaching staff has basically been arguing, not arguing, but either literally like called him either Randy Moss or Terrell Owens. Like these are the quotes. These were like, they were saying he was catching everything, looking like an insane freak athlete. Obviously he's not a combination of Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, but I mean, he's better. I would rather have him than Henry Ruggs, which doesn't actually seem to be the consensus. Surprisingly, I think Brian Edwards has the higher ceiling. So he's my wide receiver 54. Good guy to keep an eye on. And I actually, I think have him, yeah, I have him written down in the waiver wire section as well. So he's available in your league. So just go pick him up. Last thing, Brashad Perriman cut by the Detroit Lions. This is surprising. I think Perriman was expected to be the, like one of the top receivers on this team that he's not even on this team. The worst wide receiving core in the league really shows that, I mean, his problem has always been his hands. He's been fast, but he's just not a complete receiver either. So it's just, he was really, really a big draft bust for the Ravens back in 2015. All right, let's talk waiver wire. Oh, wait, where's the drop? Oh, found it. All right, let's talk waiver wire. 
Oh, oops. I think I realized I had the segments in backwards order. I should have done big questions, then waiver wire, then starter sit. Okay. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. This is the first one of these that I've done in a while. So number one on the waiver wire list is a guy you might expect here. The, the, my, one of my favorite parts about waiver wire, by the way, is that I get to keep mentioning guys over and over who just unfairly sit on the waiver wire. So you're going to hear a lot about Tevin Coleman this year, at least until he's good. Um, Coleman is going to be the starter over Michael Carter. You hold that, heard that in one of my bold takes. He has been solid throughout his career. Michael Carter's a fourth round unproven back. And I didn't check the roster percentage, but I don't think it's that high. Uh, on ESPN, actually, it is just 17.4% roster percentage. So yeah, and once I get into the season, I'll be stricter about like sort of, I will only talk about guys on the waiver wire that are rostered in less than 40% of leagues um, because a lot of leagues aren't like totally serious. So I'll be like, um, and if there's sometimes there'll be guys on your waiver wire that I didn't mention who are good. So you can, but you'll be able to tell it's just there. Those guys will so clearly stick out, but I want to get you the guys who are actually like likely to be or at least possibly available. And you're like, I don't want to say like five guys and have four of them not be available. That's not fun. All right. So Tevin Coleman, for sure. Wayne Gallman, who, uh, yeah, again, signed with the, or, oh, I completely skipped this part of the news. Wayne Gallman was cut by the 49ers and has signed with the Atlanta Falcons. I got to talk about this. This has a lot of fantasy implications as well. Uh, it moved Mike Davis down to RB27 for me. I think Mike Davis is still the lead back here, but Wayne Goldman is now my RB42. He really looked a lot better last year. He really transitioned into more of a north-south runner, got some time on the field, and just was able to like sort of get physical and be like a good player. He is rostered in 2.5% of ESPN leagues right now. So go grab him. He is certainly worth a roster spot. I picked him up this morning. Very happy about it. And yeah, he was signed by the Falcons. So doesn't mean much for the 49ers running backs other than I guess a slight boost for Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon and like Jeff Wilson, I guess, but um, Wayne Goleman now signed by the Falcons. So go get him, especially if you have Mike Davis, which I actually picked him up in both the redraft league that I'm in and in the dynasty league. He was so like buried on that 49ers depth chart that I had realized, Oh, he's probably available here in my dynasty league. So I picked him up and I have Mike Davis in the dynasty league. So that's, I'm happy about that for sure to have him sitting on the bench now. Um, so yeah, good security there. Uh, so get Wayne Goleman. Uh, and these will also be more ranked the waiver wire guys during the regular season. I'll sort of rank them a little bit more. I have them kind of ranked here in the order that I'm saying them, but this is just kind of, I don't know. It, it's not really a big ranking because it's so hard to tell at the beginning of the season, Brian Edwards, go grab him. And then Tyrell Williams, if he's available in your league, uh, go ahead and pick him up. I mean, Brashad Perriman, he's, he's the only guy there that, I mean, it, it makes it makes sense, even if he, you don't think he's going to produce. Uh, so Tyrell is rostered in 30.6% of ESPN leagues, so he fits the criteria, although he is rostered in the league that I'm in. All right, that's it. Let's move on to big questions. All right, three big questions here. Will Jamar Chase be productive in week one versus the Vikings on Sunday? This is an interesting question for sure. I would say yes. I mean, Joe Burrow recently expressed confidence that Jamar Chase is going to be ready to go for week one. He has dropped all four, not all four, like four of his five passes in preseason so far. So that's very concerning. But this is a guy, Jamar Chase, who was known for his hands. This is a guy who was not known for separation, but known for his just dominating ability at the catch. And lately he's been having some great weeks in practice, according to the beat reporters. So, He's now playing Minnesota, who's a really, really 
like an iffy pass defense, especially after Jeff Gladney is gone now. So it's going to be tough for them to stop Jamar Chase. I think he could still be the top wide receiver for the Bengals in week one. So yeah, I think Jamar Chase can be productive in week one. I think if you need to, I'm not starting him in my league. I'm starting Corey Davis over him, but that's a close call for me. I'm just a little bit concerned about the risk for, for sure as you, I mean, should be, but if you don't have like a guy like Corey Davis against the Panthers, you can just plug and play, go ahead and play Jamar Chase. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I think he can be good. Are we going to see big things from Marquez Callaway this week against the Packers? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really heard about Traquan Smith's injury status, but he, I don't think he's returned to practice yet. So either way, I mean, with Jameis Winston at the helm, Marquez Callaway could be potentially worth a start. I don't think he would be my ideal flex play, but for sure, again, if you need, if you're in a pinch in week one, which you may not be, but say you suffered an injury to like JK Dobbins and lost him. And now you need a flex. Uh, Marcus Calloway is a fine guy to plug in. He could get you a touchdown. He could push the ball downfield, which James Winston, he has the potential to get a big game. Last question. What can we expect from the Bucs against Dallas in week one? This is the Thursday night game, the game you're going to see first. And I think you can, I mean, the Cowboys defense will be, definitely suffer against this offense. I think this is a Mike Evans and Chris Godwin week. I think Antonio Brown can also give you flex production. And I think if Rob Gronkowski gets into the end zone, he will be productive. He's going to be touchdown dependent because of the target competition in this offense. But I think if you need a desperation tight end play, he could get you a touchdown for sure. Um, Ronald Jones is probably a flex play, an all right flex play for me this week with a lot of risk because just because we don't know how, uh, Giovanni Bernard and Leonard Fournette are going to be used yet. Ronald Jones can be inconsistent, but I think against Dallas, he's a fine flex play for sure. Um, I wouldn't start Fournette or Gio either, but uh, yeah, that's about it. And then Tom Brady. Oh, Tom Brady. Yeah, this is a great week for Tom Brady. He could easily be like a top five quarterback this week. Um, all right, let's move on to start or sit. All right. Oh my, I keep waiting for like the voice at the end, um, but whatever. I got rid of that. Okay. So starter sit Corey Davis against the Panthers. Like I just said, I'm starting Corey Davis in my redraft league over Jamar Chase. The Panthers here are a very, very good matchup. Um, their secondary has definitely suffered in recent years and Corey Davis and Zach Wilson seem to have a great connection. I think Zach Wilson will come out of the gate strong in week one and who better to rely on than the reliable Corey Davis. Davis was very good last year. I think he's a very solid flex play could easily get into the top 24 wide receivers this week has good touchdown upside. There's just not a lot of target competition and I love Zach Wilson's talent. So yeah, go ahead and start Corey Davis. Marvin Jones versus Houston is this next one. I'm a big Marvin Jones fan. I'm fine with starting him if you need a guy, but I would, my official take here is going to be sit. I mean, even though he's playing Houston, I do believe that Marvin Jones will leave this wide receiver room, but with DJ Chark with LaVisca Chenault also there, it's hard to know. It, I can, it's a far from guarantee that Jones will lead it in week one. So we just got to see it first from him. In my opinion, this is a juicy week to start him. So if you need a guy and you're confident that Marvin Jones is the one, go ahead, start him at your flex. But my official take here would be sit, but he's not a, the worst option at all. I mean, I, I, as you guys know, I like him. Uh, let's talk any Texans running back versus Jacksonville. I mean, is it Philip Lindsay? Is it Mark Ingram? I think it might be Lindsay, but it could be Ingram. Um, Good matchup, sit them all. I mean, this is another thing where we're going to have to see. I don't mind drafting Philip Lindsay. I don't mind drafting Mark Ingram, although I would, at his price, prefer Lindsay. Uh, I think he could definitely give you some solid weeks. 
because there's, uh, I mean, there's not a lot of guys to rely on in that offense, and he is a talented player, but we have to see it first. So I'm not starting any of them based on this matchup. If you had to, I would say Philip Lindsay. Actually, I don't know. That would be really close between him and Ingram because Ingram has the familiarity with David Culley. I could see either of them leaving, leading this backfield in week one, but I think Lindsay overall through the year will just barely lead it. All right, let's move on to booms and busts. All right, booms and busts. Let's talk. First boom, Ryan Fitzpatrick versus the Chargers. As you know, you heard in my bold take, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick can be a top 14 quarterback over the fantasy season. I think he could easily be, I think he will be a top 12 quarterback this week against, oh, this week, it feels so good to say, against LA. The Chargers have a solid defense um, for sure, but they also have a good offense. This is going to be a shootout. Justin Herbert and Ryan Fitzpatrick are two guys with very, very good arms. And Ryan Fitzpatrick now has an elite alpha wide receiver in Terry McLaurin to rely on. He's got Curtis Samuel, a gadget slash deep ball guy to throw to. Deami Brown and Adam Humphreys have looked great in training camp. And um, overall, I mean, I'm really, really, really excited for Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. He could, he, yeah, could easily be a top 12 quarterback. Good start. Um, Devontae Smith versus the Falcons. He will come out of the gate. He's got a lot of target share in week one, and he has got a great matchup against Atlanta. This is a bit risky because we haven't seen it from him yet, but I think Jalen Hurts will be looking to Smith early and often because as a great route runner, Smith will get open and torch these Falcons DBs. So yeah, get Devontae Smith in your lineups this week. Busts, Daryl Henderson versus the Bears. No way am I touching this. Daryl Henderson was not a good running back against a tough, tough defensive line with Sony Michelle now in town. No way. Don't start Daryl Henderson this week against the Bears. Not happening for me. Last one, Josh Jacobs against Baltimore. I think Josh Jacobs can still put up solid numbers. But with Kenyon Drake here, with a lesser offensive line now than they had or, uh, last year, and with a tough Ravens D line who was loaded up on a lot of playmakers, I don't, I could see a game where it's like 11 carries for 26 yards and no touchdowns for Josh Jacobs on Monday night football. The Raiders aren't going to be able to move the ball. I don't expect Josh Jacobs to do much for your lineups. So yeah, not a fan of starting Josh Jacobs this week. All right. That was fun. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the games this weekend. I'll try to get some more guests on throughout the season, but I just wanted to record this show. So um, I'm, I recorded it uh, solo this week. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, go keep downloading, subscribe if you haven't already. Go check out Second Goal Sports Talk on YouTube, um, at SGF Pod on Twitter, at Calvin underscore SGF if you want to follow me, at Chris underscore SGF for Chris. And I think for the, uh, at the, the sports talk, you might, over this weekend, we might be doing the NFL season predictions episode. I think we will be. So it might already be posted by the time this episode's out. If it's not, go check the Twitter account. We'll give updates there. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.